Ace Podcast. <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> <clears throat> I can see how that could be confusing. Thanks a lot, you shit. So much for the seashells. See you in a few minutes. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from the moonisdeadworld.net and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? And uh, we're back with a new episode. We're on to episode 62 now, so woohoo, we're getting up there into the upper upper levels of uh, podcast episoding, I guess. I haven't been cancelled by NBC yet. <laughs> that's right, no, no cancellations in the, in the near future, and that's probably because we don't get paid for this, so there's... There's no money exchanging hands, no uh, <laughs> no income to speak of, um, but we do it for the listeners. We do it for you guys, so it's always a pleasure. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to spend a Wednesday night when I could be out drinking or something. And uh, well, you wouldn't be doing that anyway. No, nah, so. that's true. I am an old man. You are. So I, you know what I would be and, doing. And you act like it's like a, like a hot night life. No, nah, right I know. Now. Wednesday. Oh, I could, around I, here. I, Wednesday I, I nights. Could. I, I could be, you know, gallivanting and trolloping around I the city. I would be out with trollops, you're right. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, on a Wednesday night, what would I be doing? I would probably be watching a movie, anyway. Probably having a little bit of, a bit of whiskey with it. A rerun of Better Call Saul. I, gotta, I still gotta watch that. I'd, I'd missed it, and I said that I missed it. I wasn't paying attention before I knew, I was watching, I can't remember what the hell, I was watching something. Yeah. And before I knew it, I was like, shit. Shit. Well, you're not caught up yet. No, I am. Oh, you are? Yeah. I, I watched, haven't watched season two I yet. watched season two in two days on wow. Netflix when it came mm-hmm. on. Is it still worth it? Still good? Yes. Very good. I gotta watch it still. I haven't had a chance to. It's great. been watching the Wishmaster collection right now, so no. I'm going through all the Wishmaster movies because I gotta review it for the Moon of Zed World. Well, so. so, But anyway, we're back today. Um, last week when we left you, actually Martin went left to take a piss while I was ending the, the podcast <laughs> episode, so I, I we didn't really have a chance to like bounce any ideas off of each other. Um, I didn't know what we were going to be covering for this week's episode, and we kind of just came up with the on the fly that we'd be covering the Stallone-Snipes duo of uh, Demolition Man, and um, I've never seen it before. So I've seen it many times. And I'm surprised that I've never seen it before because I'm sort of a big fan of like the late 80s, 90s action movies. And it's kind of ca- caught me off guard that I've never seen Demolition Man. <clears throat> well, it's sci-fi too. So that, it that, is sci-fi too. That would have been like, mm, for you. Like, no, not mm. really. I mean, I like sci-fi, but I not, it's not like my number one go-to genre of film. I would much rather like... Actually, you know what I like is I like horror sci-fi more so than like action sci-fi. So I don't know. It's not really much of a distinction, but at the same time, like, well, I would say like I like Terminator a lot. Oh yeah. But again, the first one, some people consider it almost like a slasher film. It is a in a way. Yeah, I mean, in a a way, it's it's like a slasher film. It's a sci-fi horror film. No, you're right. Terminator. That's why I, I think we've talked about it before on the podcast. Yeah, we have a little bit. When it comes to like the Terminator mm-hmm. films, everyone loves Terminator too. 
think it's the greatest. Yeah. I love the Terminator more than I love Terminator I do too. love... I love both, but I do... I think I like the Terminator a lot more than... No, I like... Terminator I'm not saying too. I don't like Terminator yeah, yeah. too. I love Terminator even more, though. Because it's so... It's just the way it is. How it's dark and brooding and just... It's scarier. Terminator 2 is yeah. just like, oh. But at this point, it's like... You see Arnold Schwarzenegger doing his, you know, shtick of... Yeah. Being Arnie. Yeah. So, and being an action movie. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it's like, oh, it's fun, great action, but is it... I don't think it's better. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. I don't think it is either. I like to terminate it a lot. But anyway, that's... I mean, that's kind of where I'm getting at, is that I like more of, like, a sci-fi horror scenario. And so I think that I probably skipped over Demolition Man, and I was talking to you about this previously. Um, because of the cover, I didn't really... It, you know, I'm one of those people... I get drawn in by covers, and that is partially due to the fact I remember Demolition Man. I remember seeing the cover art for it because I've talked about it a little bit before, but my dad owned a, a video store. I remember seeing it in the, his store as a VHS, obviously, at that time, but it just never really caught my eye. You know what I mean? It was kind of – it basically, the cover art is just um, Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone facing off with – like a bluish background. That's all you need. Uh, yeah, in a way, but it, That's at all the same need. time, it just didn't really capture my attention like even the Terminator or Terminator 2 would have, or in more so the horror section. But, I don't know, yeah, just well, something to be, about to, it. To be, to be fair, horror movies have to have a good poster, because most of them are pretty, pretty crappy. If there's not a naked woman <laughs> on it, it's, or like scratches or something in a, a knife then yeah it's, it's missed its mark but on no. that one no like horror movies have to have for the most part like a good poster because most of them are so loose budgeted and loosely like kind of thought of in concept it's yeah like this is how we're gonna lure people in demolition, also, demolition man you don't need anyone to lure you in except sylvester stallone yeah he's a household name well you know you could just have stallone and like play, like a black and white poster, just say Stallone, Demolition Man. Who's gonna make money? Yeah, I'm the same thing with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like we were looking at Total Recall's cover artwork. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much that movie. Yeah, with a blue cover, just like this one, just white white font. Though this one's silver, but I mean, still like it's. Yeah, it's, this is like mimicking the same style. Like, you know what you're in for when you see the cover art, I guess. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just never really drew me in. But I, I, and actually, none of like, I don't Stallone's films in general like never drew me in. I can see how they would draw other people in, but it's not. You know, it was never really like it's a Stallone film. I've got to go see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> not in the way like it was with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where I was like back in the uh, I don't know. It was either late '90s or early 2000s, where it was like, well. You know, collateral damage is coming out. Arnold Schwarzenegger's in, and I've got to go see that. You know, <laughs> it wasn't. A- <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad you picked that movie because I remember seeing that like on Direct TV, yeah, like oh, at a friend's house. That was that's great. Yeah, but no, you know, it's different because by the mid and late '90s, Stallone's still doing action films. What's Schwarzenegger doing? Jingle all the way with Sinbad. That's and true. Turbo Man, you know, and uh, twins. Well, that was before. That's early. That 90s. was the early nineties. But I mean, but yeah, he, he's been making a, a switcheroo. Well, he's been doing bit. other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
Stallone wasn't. Stallone, like, after this, Copland and a couple other more, you know, action-oriented films, so. Yeah. That's why I think you'd, like, probably be more appealing to Arnie, because, like, Jingle All the Way comes out in 97, 98. You're seven, eight years old. That's you want, true. You want to yeah, see yeah. a Christmas movie? You're like, ah, oh, the funny <laughs> man speaks goofy. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, Jingle All the Way was a big big thing in my household. Oh, had it on VHS taped still, off TV. I don't I have the actual VHS oh, okay. still. Well, we were cheap at that time. <laughs> my dad was like, "Pop in a blank VHS tape." <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of them from the store. <laughs> that was yeah, that was pretty much what we were doing in the 90s. Is bootlegging <laughs> things from TV and Yeah, I was, yeah, that's yeah. Funny, I mean, it's a pretty much, this is off topic and everything, but I never really saw the actual, like, unedited version of Christmas Vacation for years, because we would always have the uh, edited version off TV, and with, like, Christmas commercials and all. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not really off topic in this scenario, because, like, those are kind of, those, those 90s commercials are kind of nostalgic to me just because of that, like, because of, like... Having those see, VHS tapes where... See the difference between commercials today and... Exactly. And that, I mean, that makes... it. That's a perfect segue into, like... How half the commercials are 1-800-collect commercials. Yeah. That... <laughs> but in in um in this film, Demolition Man, that's a huge thing about, like, the future is that they are, like, very nostalgic about the past. They love, like... Um, well, one person. Commer- yeah. Well, they love commercial jingles. They, they love the history of the past. Um... In much the same way that we have now co-opted, like, 90s stuff into, like, everyday life. Like, that's a huge thing about Vaporwave now. I don't know if you know about, like, Vaporwave, the genre. But it's very much about, like, co-opting, like, 80s and 90s stuff and making that into, like, music or artwork. Um, and very much, you know, like, what we've been doing now is is very apparent in uh, this film, in Demolition Man. And I think that... It's kind of an interesting scenario because at the time, I don't really think that they knew exactly, like any uh, contemporary audiences, knew exactly what kind of reach and um, stuff that Demolition Man would have like in the future because it's actually, a lot of it is kind of accurate. <laughs> it's shocking, shocking how much like the stuff they kind of got like... They got right in it, like self-driving cars and... Uh, video, I, I tablets. Yeah, and exactly. Video communicate. I mean, it's not like out of place within those kind of science fiction. Um, those that you know, films of that nature. They kind of all had a similar idea of like what the future would be like. But at the same time, it's very reminiscent of like what we have now. There's a lot of stuff in here that we really do have, or you know, we we um, you know, we have created. That's that's very similar to that. Alright, so enough about uh, Demolition Man for right now. Let's talk about the beer that we're drinking. Because... It's fancy. <laughs> yeah, it's the fancy stuff. It's not the uh, the usual craft beer selection that we, we have on the podcast. Uh, we went a little different direction this week. Although, it's not that unusual for us to focus on a non-craft beer. Because we like to include those too. We try we taste test like the, the more generic stuff the the um domestic lagers and stuff like that uh it's not that unusual so this week we've got Michelob Ultra I don't think we've ever had it specifically Um, on the podcast no No, we have not 
I mean, obviously we've had it before, but but not on the podcast. And um, one of the reasons that we we have this is because we are. I'm I'm counting calories. So am I. <laughs> uh, we're bettering ourselves, <laughs> and uh, as one the, beat one beer at a time. That's right. And as the commercial suggests, you can do this and then also like do sixty push-ups at the same time. You can drink Michelob Ultra and then do sixty push-ups, and you'll be you'll be good. You'll be uh, if you're doing healthy. 60, if you're doing sixty push-ups, you're not drinking a fucking beer. Nah, that's true. You're not. You're not uh, putting it's, on calories by drinking a beer it's like those things like hey let's run a marathon at the end like you know like the boilermaker in utica like oh you finished the boilermaker you know like have a beer yeah well yeah, last just... thing last thing i want after like, possibly running a 10k is a fucking well, actually like project 29 our local um bar gastro pub they did have a nice uh yeah, nice a up. run like that i don't know how far it was uh, it was I you know I was thinking it's probably like a five k or something anything like that. higher than like a fi- like a five k or higher I would have no interest at the end of it like of like yeah give me a beer I'd be like, get water yeah aquafina I, mean, dis- I, I can't see myself drilling like a stout if they came out and were like well we got stouts for you today and be like oh I think I'll just go vomit in the bushes then <laughs> no I yeah I mean I could I probably could drink a light beer. But nothing heavy, definitely. Um, actually, though, to be honest with you, like I ran almost four miles yesterday. I didn't really feel like I needed water, even though, it, like, I'm I'm that kind of person though. I don't really like drink a lot of water, even though I should. I never really feel like I need water that much, even until after, like, until I'm actually dehydrated and I'm like, shit, I should have drank some water. <laughs> I should have had some water. I got a fucking headache. It's bad. I spend my dr- day carrying around a bottle of water. Yeah, I know. Or seltzer. Just pound I know. It's not good for you to not drink water, but I'm, you know, that's that's just me. But, um, yeah, so we got Michelob Ultra on the, on the podcast today. Um... I've had it before. I do like it quite a bit in terms of generic uh, domestic beer. Um, it's probably not my first choice because it is on the pricey side for what you get. It's uh, fourteen sixty three for this twelve pack. Yeah, and like that's not that much. That's not that far off from like a craft beer line. Um, if you were to like for around here, if you were to buy like Saranac or Sam Adams at the sale price at a, at a supermarket. That's going to be about the same price. You're, you're going to hit the same price for that. So in that case, I would probably go with the craft beer. But if I wanted something cheap and domestic, but also what I like drinking, I would probably go with the Miller Lite. That's my favorite light uh, American beer. And actually, by, by a mile, to be honest with you. I it's mean, very, yeah. I mean, I haven't had Mick Ultra in probably two years. And... You know, I mean, I I drank it, and it's like, yeah, it's good. And surprisingly, um, it's got a much better taste than Bud Light. Oh, yeah, definitely. Much better. Like I it, would say Bud Light is by far my the least worst. favorite beer. The worst, but yeah. it's nothing but water. But this actually has a, multi, a very slight maltiness to it, but not only that, a sweetness. And I... I I don't know if it's because I haven't had, like, food food in, like, a couple of weeks, but, uh, it, yeah, no, like, my taste buds, like, instantly pick up, like, a nice, like, sweetness from it, and 
a corn sweetness, and it's, it's good, and I like it a lot. I gotta say that I think that Mick Ultra does have uh, less of a body, less of a um, noticeable taste than Miller Lite, which is why I prefer mm. Miller Lite over Michelob Ultra. Um, I think that this one, it does have some flavor to it, but I, I would prefer it to have just a little bit more flavor and beer body to it because like you said these go down really easy really fast but that's not always necessarily a good thing because there's not really that much to it it's not a complex drinkable beer like that it's, and then you before know, you know it you're like if you are counting calories like, oh, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, now like you are like five in i'm like four in at this point in a normal podcast we're like two or three in <laughs> So yeah, you've you've basically just doubled the amount of beer you've drank, wherein now you've hit the same amount of calories. You know, yeah. and for these beers, Michelob Ultra is ninety five calories. Thinking about how much a, a a different beer like a craft beer might have for calories, I'm gonna say like maybe a craft beer has like one thirty. No higher. You think it's higher than that? Higher light beers. Like, uh, Coors Light and Bud Light have, like, 130 calories. So, you, you think, like, a craft beer would be more, like, 200 calories? Almost. Like I said, Jenny Cream Ale is, like, 180 calories, 160 calories, hmm. or some shit like that. Intriguing. I, I, I wouldn't think that a craft beer would have that many calories, but, but maybe then again, I, like, I've I, never really I measured. I so. Like I said, like, well, I haven't either, but then again, I don't think a lot of them have posted anything, um, like, about it, really, because... Yeah. It's not like really it's, something that you... Like a concern, but Budweiser and like Coors might be like, hey, we'll post, you know, our regular and our light and all that, because, you know, p- that's what people are going to be concerned about, but... I don't know. I mean, they don't have to. It's, it's beer. They don't that's have true. to. They don't have to post yeah, nutritional there's no, facts. there's no nutritional facts on beer, really. But, um, you know that we're getting old when we're posting about how we need to drink Michelob Ultra. For the lower calories. I mean, outside of Miller Lite, this might be my second favorite light beer. I think so. I mean, it's very... I, I like this more than, like, McLite. And I... I don't know if I've ever had McLite. I've had McLite, because I, I remember... Because I bought it and try, uh, tried it, because... Uh, I remember talking to my dad one day and saying that's, like, the beer of his choice. As a youth, was McLite. He liked Michelob Light. Um, I bought it, and I'm like, hmm, hmm, it's okay. It's a beer. Yeah. The Mick Ultra, I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's... Well, no, lighter light beer. I mean, I think if I had to pick between the major domestics, it would be Miller Light, then Mick Ultra, then, uh... Labatt Blue... Then Coors. That's not domestic, though. Well, it's not domestic, but we, but you know, it is like domestic. The, the, yeah, basically. <laughs> but uh, and counting it in like the major brands yeah. that we have. Um, then after Labatt Blue, then Coors, then Bud, I Bud Bud Regular, and then Bud Light, I guess, would be my my picks. Um, that's not counting, obviously the. Flavored beers like Bud Light Lime, which would be higher up, <laughs> because that lime makes all the difference. It really does. It it really does. That that makes it go from like this is kind of okay to 
to like, wow, this is pretty good. I was going to drink a few of these. I, honestly, that is that is like the, the way that I feel about it. I think I think we just lost half our <laughs> audience. Like, oh. hey, like, I, you like Bud Light Lime? On a hot day, I would absolutely go for a Bud Light Lime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, you're right. That lime makes all the difference. I it mean, does, yeah. I mean, for me, it would be like Miller Lite, Mick Ultra, Coors Light, Bush Light. I didn't even count Bush Light. And... Bud Light and then Jenny Light. Because mm. Jenny Light's an abomination. And if you listen to the podcast, you would know. Yeah. We love us some Jenny beers over here. But Jenny Light is just the worst thing ever. That's true. But there you have it, folks. Michelob Ultra ranks number two for both of us. And I'm not I, even counting Mick Light, because fuck that. Yeah, I didn't count that either. I didn't count, like, Miller High Life or anything like that either. Well, High Life's so. not a light beer. It's a... No, it's not a light beer, but in a, in a generic you mean like, domestic you mean like, beer. Well, I mean, if you're talking about like, like Miller 64 and... But it's like 55. Who gives a shit? No one drinks that. <laughs> I was like, ugh, Bud Ice. Who wants Bud Ice? Like, Do you no, think that's like, how nobody. their marketing team feels to, like, Miller 64? Yeah, who gives a shit? I'll, probably outside the Wisconsin, like, area, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> nobody is running to the store for Miller 64. That's true. That's At least true. around here. I can dare. I worked in retail. Yeah. And, <laughs> I know. No one around here, like, again, I think there's only, like, two places I can think of off the top of my head around here. It's only even, like, Miller 64. Mm-hmm. And the one place I used to work at, they used to sell Bud Select 55. But within a couple of months of me working there, they got rid of that. Yeah. Because nobody fucking bought it. Just sat on the shelf and ride away. Well, you know, an interesting tidbit about Michelob Ultra, too, is that they do make a few flavored beers. Like, uh, Lime Cactus. Good. And they've got another one, too, that's... The pomegranate? Yeah, the pomegranate. That's actually pretty good. Um, but I prefer, like, the lime cactus. I think that's pretty good. That's almost, like, in itself a ghost. Like, they've they've kind of brought the ghost to, like, generic beer drinkers. They're like, this is... You know, because cactus is a big ingredient in a ghost beer. It's kind of... It gives that sour flavor to the ghost. So you're, you're kind of... They're kind of, like, inching that way towards, like... <sighs> This is almost a ghost, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> you know, I think it's pretty. It's it's pretty good, and um, you know I recommend we, people getting that. You know what we should do? One of these days, we should track down because they don't make it anymore. Like Bud Black Crown, Ugh. or I, which I never had, or one that I did have. That's not around any longer. But American Ale. Remember the American Ale? Yeah. When they got bought out by the European, or Anheuser-Busch, and like, we're going to introduce an ale to these Americans, and they're going to discover the, how great ales are. <laughs> yeah. And people, it just sank and died a horrible death. Yeah. That was one, the Bud American Ale was the first beer I ever bought. Oh, very when nice. When I turned 21. <laughs> what made you go out and think that you needed to buy that one? It was because it just came out at the time. You're like, ah, let's try it. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the... I I know I'm not going to like this, but I took the... Awful. Yeah. I bought Guinness and I bought that. And I was like, this this is... So I would love to track down some Bud American Ale. I'm sure somebody has like a 10-year-old Bud American Ale somewhere. Be great. Yeah. 
I'll have to look on eBay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm sure it would be a, a fine old pack of American Ale, 10 years old. They, I don't know if it would be a accurate representation of what it would have been. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure it would have been. I hope so. I hope, yeah, maybe, I'd like to try it. Maybe try try to track down some Jenny Fife and Drum. There you go. That's <laughs> a few years old, anyway. So, all right, let's move on to Demolition Man. Got some stuff to talk about here. Um, I, I, like I said, I have never seen Demolition Man before, so I wasn't really sure what to expect from it. And from the outset, you kind of get that feeling that this is more of an action comedy than just a straight up action film and i think that actually like in the beginning in that first scene it's more of an an action scenario where you know it's kind of like in that 90s mindset of like well you know in the 90s sometimes action scenes were kind of jokey you know they had the the protagonist and the villain who were trading barbs trading jokes and puns one-liners and puns everywhere that's right so like that's not really that out of place in that scenario. But then once the film expands, really gets into its, its um, like universe, its futuristic timeline, then you get a lot more of that comedy aspect of the film itself. And I think that that was something that really drew me in rather than, you know, just the generic old action film with the blue tint and the, you know, two guys that are muscular and, uh, you know, fighting back and forth and trading punches. Um, that was something that really drew me into Demolition Man. So yeah, I was say, it's even something they talk about in the film, like how um, Sylvester Stallone is telling his one old buddy, he's like, "Shit, man, I thought you were, you know, fucking dead." And they're like, and they get, they're like, "Why, why is he talking to him in such a profane manner?" It's like, "Oh, that's how insecure uh, heterosexuals used to talk to each other back then." That's right. Yeah, it's like, it's like you're twenty twenty five years ahead of the curve on that one movie. Good job. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why. Uh, Demolition Man has survived as a cult classic for so long is because it does seem to understand like the satirical nature of films at that time. You know, it's really contextualizing movies in the the late 80s and early 90s and, and then kind of even going further than that and showing how more futuristic audiences would see that kind of behavior. I think it's really interesting. It's almost like a sociological exploration of that. And then again, it's also exactly the kind of action film that you would expect from the time period. So, you know, it's both contextualizing and 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 kind of and doing delivery. a sociolog yeah, <laughs> doing a sociological uh uh study on the film and then just doing it anyway. You know, like actually bringing that same kind of style to the film. So, I think it's pr- it's a pretty interesting idea, and I think that like you have a lot of the films at the time going deep into like futuristic timelines and and exploring like the things that may occur in the future. RoboCop. Yep, RoboCop. We talked about Total, Total Recall. Recall. Um, and I think that this film it very much sits in that realm. At the same time, though, it, it is very creative in the way that it brings that futuristic timeline into life. I mean, I think that when you're looking at it now, over like 25 years later, we, it's it's not that far off. Like, as we talked about in the introduction, it's not it's not that far off 
from what we've created in, in time. I mean, what do you think? It's, it's, we in the future now have we pretty much gotten to that point? Not obviously not like the cryogenic freezing and you know bringing people back to life after twenty or thirty years of being frozen in a cryogenic prison, but in a sense we are in a similar scenario to like what Demolition Man presents. No, I agree. It's it's part of the charm, especially now. I think that's... I remember the first few times seeing this film, thinking it was funny. Had some nice action. It was alright. It was like a early teen. Like I said, I was telling you, uh, we watched... uh, We're watching it. Used to play this movie all the time on TBS. I don't know if it was like a dinner and a movie type of thing. I don't think it was, but it was like a... Later at night, I wa- I caught it quite a few times. And I remember watching it, and I was like, oh, that's funny. It's got good action. But now, like, watching it, even, like, as time has gone on, watching it now, it's even funnier. Mm-hmm. It's even more on the nose. It's even more, like, like, is this supposed, like, it makes you think, like, is this supposed to be satire? Or is it the humor that's like, oh, like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And it just somehow, like, was able to, like, magically co-align with, like, how we are today. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's like, that's like, that's like the amazing thing. It's like, is this what they were trying to go for or not? Because, like, you know, the overly politically correct type of manner that everyone acts in San Angeles, is that what they were supposed to go be going for? That's like, oh, you know... That's what they think the future's going to be, or is like, oh, is that was like, like a guess? Yeah, and, like, a- and, and it just happened. Because when you think about it, movies made in nineteen ninety three. From my memory of like the nineties, there's nothing, nothing that would hint towards us heading towards political correctness. In that sort of context of like, you can't swear, you can't, and like, uh, and like do over- anything bad. Just for like you. overall in context, like I mean, like. I know there are, like, certain things, like, I can't remember what the hell they replaced, like, fat and, like, chips with for, like, a little while, but it ended up, like, having people cause, like, like having, like, diarrhea, and it was, like, awful for, like, the stomach, and they got rid of it, but, like, it's, like, something, like, kind of, like, hinting towards, like, oh, we're gonna get rid of this because it's bad for you, so we're gonna put this in, like, you can eat all the chips you want, and it won't hurt you, but I don't remember anything, like, as a kid, like, watching... And thinking they're trying to go for, like, a man, like, don't do that. That's microaggression, you know, type of right. thing. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, like, we've we've gotten more towards that. But, I mean, in the 90s, it's especially in 93, I don't really have that memory. But in from historical standpoint, I don't, I don't know of anything like that. That would be, like, you know, policing, <laughs> like, behaviors that are bad for you where it's, like, no, you can't do, you know, you're not going to be able to do those anymore. I don't know about that so much in that I time mean, period, but we've now gotten to it, like, where it's like, you can't buy a supersized soda anymore, you know, because well, that's, I mean, that's going to be bad for well, you. Well, in the we're, 80s we're and 90s, I mean, you got, like, Dare and, like, you know, like, again, like, late 90s is when um, you couldn't, like, you know, in New York, they banned smoking in restaurants. True. And my mom was pissed about that. Yeah. And, like, so, like, you know, like, 
used to like when you go to Pizza Hut, it's like, oh, smoking or non-smoking, and yeah. you know, have to go to the I fucking. Fuck, I remember that. Oh, goddamn awful smoking section. Because <laughs> kids know. can't breathe. Oh well. <laughs> You know, when they got rid of it, it's like, can't smoke in buildings anymore. Yeah. Like, I feel like an asshole, because, I mean, I don't really enjoy the smell of cigarette smoke. I feel like an asshole, I'm, like, walking into work, and there's people, like, smoking on the sidewalk next to the building. It's like, 15, like, you know, 50 feet away from the building, asshole, smoke over in your little section. Get the fuck, you know. Yeah. I don't enjoy smelling your Newports. Yeah. And it's, it's it's honestly amazing how far that we've come, but also how much Demolition Man got right. You know, you're limiting that idea of, like, what's bad for you. Yeah. You, you know, you're making it somewhat illegal. Obviously not Getting to rid the of same personal e- choice. Yeah, I mean, not to the same effect that Demolition Man has. Like, you can't have meat anymore in Demolition Man. What an um, awful world. Yeah, exa- <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't make the conscious decision to smoke even though you that's bad for you. Because I... You know, I, I gotta agree that, I mean, I think it's really stupid to start, start up, like, actively smoking now, and what we know, and, and also working in healthcare and everything like that. At the same time, though, I totally believe that you have the free choice to do it if you want to. See, that's why we need to review, thank you for smoking. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I totally agree that you have the free choice to do so, as long as you're not harming others, it, to do it. I mean, you, you can absolutely do it if you aren't knowing the 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 negative outcomes of it. So I don't agree that we always have to limit that in terms of... Well, no, it's, it's, same, it's like the same thing with, like, um, you go to the doctors, you're overweight, and you got, like, high blood pressure and high cholesterol, and the doctor tells you you need to stop eating like, burgers and stuff and cut down salt, and they're not mandating that you Right, exactly. Like, hey, you keep doing it, you're going to die. Be, you, be, and you can be like, fuck you. Right. I, I like that's, that burger. That's, that's like assigning like a, a counselor to that person later and being like, the counselor's like, you know what? I'm fucking legally mandated to stop you from eating that burger. So you touch that burger, I'm going to smack that out of your hands. You, you can't you can't have that burger. And um, no, I mean, I totally don't agree with that sort of scenario. Um, but, you know, obviously Demolition Man is getting towards that idea and, and there's, there had to have been some semblance, a seed of, of uh, the idea that, yeah, that's, this is going to occur that, you know, we're limiting and trying to, to enforce the idea that smoking is bad and we're going to kind of take it, you know, take it back to, you can't smoke in certain areas. I think that was probably, I mean, there's probably always that seed that that was going to occur, but I think, I do think that demolition man was right on with that. And also, you know, very interesting how they enforced like, um, a meatless society. And there was always that regime underneath that was like, no, we're not going to adhere to that. We can do whatever we, we want to. All right. But enough about the societal implications of demolition, man. What do you think about the actual film itself? Um, thoughts? I think it's great. I love it. Yeah, you were the one that really cued us in to do this one, so. Yeah. Well, I, I said dread. But then you're like, Ugh. Well, you said dread, but um, I haven't seen Judge Dread, so. But you don't have to presented see Judge a, um, For me, in being OC- OCD, <laughs> it presented a, a complex, so. So we decided on Demolition Man instead, but. Tell me, why are are you so in love with Demolition Man? Besides, um, like, obviously the societal implications we've talked about. Well, that makes it even better. But I, I like it 
even as a kid, I liked it because I one Wesley Snipes is a million balls of fun in this film. Yeah, he is. Yeah, definitely. He, he's like acting. He's almost like Dennis Rodman, like in this film. He reminds me of Dennis Rodman at this time on the Chicago Bulls. I think he saw the Pistons in '93. Maybe, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But still, he was still known for being eccentric. Exactly. I mean, he yeah. didn't have the fucking dyed hair and shit. But no, you're right. If you look at it, like later Dennis Rodman, like, yeah, it's. But no, he's like having so much fun in this film. Yeah, and he's just totally in spirit with it. It's great. It's amazing seeing Bob fucking Gunton coming off a of Shawshank <laughs> Redemption. Playing another old curmudgeon. That's true. Doing it well, but just, you know, it's like, wow, yeah, like, typecast. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's pretty much the same role. Just, actually, I think he's a little bit more downplayed in this film. No, he is. He's he's definitely a a bit player, but to me, it's just funny because, you know, Shawshank's one of the big movies of the 90s that people always look to and like, oh, yeah, what a... What a great film that is. And, you know, Bob Gutton's a big part of it. Right. And this one, he's just like, you know, he just plays the police captain, but he's, instead of being, instead of a warden, but he still has that gruff demeanor. Um, Ben Bratt, before he became, you know, a household name. Yep. He, he's got like a fun little goofy role. Yeah, he does have a really goofy role. Um. As as being, uh, Officer Alfredo Garcia. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) talk about the, uh, most ridiculous like, generic name, stereotypical name. Yeah, I wonder if the screenwriter's watching uh, Peckinpah's uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, and he's like, that's a character for this movie. It does <laughs> It does kind of sound like it was sort of, like, inspired by pop culture, because in general, Demolition Man is inspired by pop culture. A lot of it does have that sort of feel to it, like, satirical nature of it obviously it knows a lot Mm. about action films and things that stallone would generally star in because it does make that reference to schwarzenegger president schwarzenegger in demolition man where he's disgusted stallone is disgusted that uh schwarzenegger would have become not only just like a a very popular person in in culture but also the president of the united states um Again, very reminiscent of uh, the future. Because he becomes governor of California. He becomes a governor. Two-term governor of California. I mean, obviously not a president, but a governor. Same thing with freaking Jesse Ventura. He's in this because he's in this as well. Governor of Minnesota. It's very interesting just to see like how much this film gets right from a future standpoint. But but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that idea that it's inspired in part by pop culture is, is certainly relevant. I don't know in the case of Alfredo Garcia, if that's particularly, you know, true, I don't think, but. no, I don't think it is, but I just find it funny because, you know, everyone's such on polite terms in this future. They're all, you know, referring to everybody by their full name. You know, it's not just, uh, Sandra Bullock is Lieutenant Lena Huck. You know, they're not just Lenina like, Huxley, yeah, or like Lieutenant Huxley or Lieutenant Lena or Lena. Like, Oh yes, it's Lieutenant Le- uh, Lena Huxley coming around, and like, oh, how are you? Well, greetings, Alfredo Garcia. Instead of like, you know, hey Al, or you know, right, exactly. Or, yeah, know. There's no like surname uh, abbreviations or anything. No, no, like, like you know, like that you would take for like 
camaraderie. It's very formal and yeah. And now, like I said, I think Sandra Bullock is playing a perfect part in this role. Not saying that Sandra Bullock is particularly like a bad actress, but I do think that she excels at that kind of robotic, uh, formal, wooden style that she she has with Lenina Huxley. I mean, at the same time, she is very much in into like the '90s, and in the same way that we have now with like people who are very, um, like focused on the Beatles or things like that. You know, she's kind of in that same standpoint of you know, 30 or actually 40 years prior, um, being very interested in the nineties and nineties culture, um, ingrained in that sort of past that we have. It's very similar to like what we have now, but at the same time, no, that makes, it makes sense to me. Cause if you think about it, if you think about like trends in the eighties, what made a comeback in like the mid eighties, fifties, Brian, the Stray Cats were huge, you know, like you had like, like you know, slight like, you know, 50s revival. Neil Young puts out like a 50s rockabilly album. Mm-hmm. 90s, same thing. What became huge in the mid, uh, mid-90s? mid 60s pop culture. So like Austin Powers, Oasis, things like that. So and you can see a little bit in the 2000s too, like a little bit of the 70s, you know. So. Yep. Yep, exactly, so, and we're getting into and, the '80s with leggings, and, yeah. and shit like that. So, so yeah, it, no, it, it, that to- it totally makes sense because it's kind, you know, it almost it almost seems like, and it makes sense too because if you think about it, you know, if you're a kid and your parents, you know, were like in their mid twenties when they had you, it would take you know like thirty years, and all of a sudden, like you know, like oh yeah, that's cool, you know, right, right, to kind of yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely think it works. Um, like I said, I think Sandra Bullock does a really good job with Lenina Huxley. Um, I think that she is, you know, I intentionally, but also, you know, unintentionally, a very comedic aspect of Demolition Man itself. And really, the film is very funny. I don't really know what's its stronger point. Is it's action or it's comedy? I think the comedy. You think the comedy I is th- more I, I think it's a... M- Especially, especially now, like given like the time that we're in now, if you watch it, I think the comedy and the satire hits is much more of a stronger suit because the action, although good and well done in this film, there's nothing that's like you know be like wow, yeah. There's nothing that like when you think to like you know like a specific action scene like that you would like if you had to think of any like action scene like. Like, you know, John McClane jumping off, you know, the... Nakatomi Plaza. Nakatomi Plaza is, you know, blowing up in the back. You're not going to get that from this film. But the comedy you are. Every, That's true. Everybody knows the three seashells. Everybody knows the constant finding throughout the entire film for cursing. <laughs> yeah. You know, er- everybody, you know, everybody knows about fucking Taco Bell. That's true, yeah. So, it's like, you know... Yeah, the takeaway from this is, like, those those moments, and which I will say are very creative. I, I You've got to give credit to the screenwriters for this film, because those are very memorable moments. Like, you're going to come away from this film, even if you've never seen it before, even if you don't know about Demolition Man, you're going to come away thinking, like, every fucking restaurant in this film is Taco Bell. 
Like that's something that stands wanna, out to you. And it's, and it's like again, it's like a small little point. They don't go into like detail. It's just thrown in there, and it's hilarious. Because you know you get the scene where uh, Stallone, who play, we didn't mention, has the greatest generic action name of all time, and John Spartan. <laughs> John Spartan saves um, the city governor, who is uh, played by Nigel Hawthorne, who again great in this as a being a pompous, full of himself, wearing a kimono, <laughs> Jedi robe kimono yeah. schmuck as Doctor Kato. Uh, after he saves him from uh, Wesley Snipes' character, Simon Phoenix. Yeah. Also another great generic yeah, name. Yeah. Simon, Simon Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah. Rising again. Yeah. The whole shtick, yeah. That's great. No, it's totally perfect. You, um, He invites him to Taco Bell, and Stall- Stallone is like, okay. From, yes, that's oh, exactly. Gonna, I gotta say, gonna, that's probably how I would have responded as well. Just kind of like. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, Taco Bell. I mean... Which, by the... Okay, you know, kind of preface this, because we, you know, we actually didn't even set this up properly. And that's our fault. We didn't even set this up properly, because we got too sidetracked with uh, talking about the societal things in this. The whole point of the film is, in the mid-90s, L.A. becomes a hellhole. If you think about, like, the early 90s, after, like, the Rodney King beatings and stuff like that, and all the rioting, and the... Yo- the OJ chase and <laughs> it's probably not far off from what people thought LA was going to devolve into. Like yeah, think, right. thinking like it's gonna just gonna well, and it's burn t- itself to the ground. It's not really that off from like other depictions of LA at the time. Of the same like sort of cityscape burning in hell. Like like seventies New York. Yeah. You know, just like the most that was, wretched place on earth. Obviously, they, yeah, that was what they thought of it at the time. Yeah. It was like, yeah, fucking Los Angeles is yeah. a shithole. Yeah, so in the mid-90s, you have John Spartan, your stereotypical macho man cop chasing down Simon Phoenix, who is a, you know, murderous asshole of a killer. And while tracking him down and arresting him, trying to save hostages... They both get put into cryostasis as punishment because the hostages that uh, Stallone's character is supposed to rescue are dead. And stupidly, the courts believe Phoenix saying, like, ah, oh, he didn't care about it. I warned him about it, but he didn't care. You know, they don't listen to this 20, you know, 20 year veteran cop about it. You know, there's well, like. To be fair, though. Spartan has the uh, the history of blowing shit up because he don't really care. So I mean, I, I know, guess... but but you're no, you're right. He doesn't care like if ship gets blown because again, you have that great. Oh, it's one of the best scenes where you see they're sh- showing footage of him at, like in the future of like what like I can't believe we're gonna resurrect this guy from cryostasis. Um, you get the scene where. He's, you know, after just saving this little girl, and the, you have a reporter following her, and she's like, you know, how can you justify destroying this $7 million mini-mall only to save this one little girl whose ransom was only $25,000? And the girl just goes, fuck you, lady! Yeah. It's... It is great. I mean, because it shows you exactly... <laughs> it's, self, what, it's self-aware, like, in, like you, how you see in action films, like, all this ridiculous, like, shit happens. Not, not only that, but it also, it does put place a value on human life, as, like, 
this is our government who doesn't really care that much if, like, uh, human life that's not really worth that much money is destroyed. As long as we uphold, like, a very expensive building, that's okay. You know, like, I gotta say that in that uh, initial scene where that, um, building is blown up as John Spartan attempts to save all those hostages, uh, and then is eventually arrested for it, um, I, if that, if the film had said that was the White House, I would have believed it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I would have, it looks that good in, in terms of like the model and scale. I think it looks really good. It's so, compare that to like Independence Day. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And you, you, I mean, I think that for the most part, Demolition Man gets those explosions right, which it should. Because it's named, it's, it's got demolition in the name. It really should get those explosions right, except for that final scene, which we won't really, <laughs> we won't really touch on right now at that point. But yeah, I mean, I think that that is a strong aspect of the film is that it sets up that rivalry between the two, between John Spartan and Simon Phoenix. They have great barbs. And that's another thing too. They have Stallone and Snipes have great chemistry in this. Yeah, like, they do. You know, bouncing off of each other. Grant, Grant, you could say in this film Stallone's kind of wooden. Which for the most part, Stallone's pretty, you know, wooden and boring. That's, I mean, that's kind I of mean, his shtick. I mean, that's, that's kind of his thing. I mean, that's his shtick. Outside of like you know, like the first couple of Rocky films, yeah, where he, you know, especially in like Rocky, he's got to have a little bit more emotion there. But yeah. I think in this film it works because John Spartan. In general, doesn't have that much emotion. He doesn't have, and he shouldn't have to because right, exactly, you know, he's, he's, he's not. He's more of a, he's not a thinker. He's more of a doer, yeah. and that's like the entire point of him being the demolition man is that he just does what needs to be done. Anything else be damned because he's getting the job done. If it's saving a young girl, then he gets the job done. Doesn't matter if a giant mini mall goes up in flames. Um... Go go to your orange Julius elsewhere, goddamn. Exactly. I mean, I think I think that's the point, and I think in this case, it's totally uh, it it they did a good job of making John Spartan be the very generic action hero because that's kind of the satirical aspect of this film too. It, like they want to convey that while also benefiting from the fact that he is a generic hero that can kick ass and blow stuff up. Yeah. That's it's a perfect combination. You want to benefit from those people who are coming to the film just to see shit blow up, but you also want to benefit from those people who are critical thinkers who are like, hmm, this has something to say about our society at the time. You know, you, you have both of those things. I think it's a it's a perfect combination. It's it's the same way as RoboCop yeah, which has that critical side where you're thinking, you know, do we want a police force that is like unstoppable and can can do all these things? At the same time, you also have that you can totally disregard that and just think, wow, that's pretty cool that shit blew up and you got shot 50 <laughs> times and you know they had to rebuild them and shit. That's pretty cool. You know, you have both of those things. I think that's why they're so successful. It's it's in the same same realm. It it works. No, I I I totally agree. Yeah, um, I will agree that I think that the comedy is the the better aspect of this film. Like like you said, the the action scenes are really not that bad. Um, I think they're really they're well blocked. Um, I think s- sometimes some contemporary films could could take 
as, so we, as, we, said from the, as we said, the ghost in the shell. Mm-hmm. Totally right. Um, but I think that the comedy aspect is a lot better just because they, it's not only creative, but it's, um, it's also, I would say continuous, like, and also consistent. There's a consistent joke running throughout the film. Like you said, with the the swearing, with the cursing, you're constantly getting fined. Which is the best part of this film. Best, because again, I love the fact with this film, they stuck to it. It's so easily, it so easily could have been this future, quote unquote, utopia. You know, where they ban everything that's bad for you, including like cursing. You can't curse. If you curse, you get fined for it. Because you have monitors all around you, constantly monitoring you. So anytime you curse, you instantly get fined for it. Right. They easily could have done, like, a one and done, or a two and done, with, like, Phoenix curses, and he gets fined, and he's like, fuck you, and, like, blows the machine up. And the same thing was, like, do the same thing with, like, Stallone's character, but then maybe not have him, like, you know, react differently, because he's not going to be, you know, like, I'm going to destroy the machine for it. But they don't. They stick to it the entire film. Anytime... Either Stallone or Snipes curses within a building that has some kind of sensor around it. They're fine. And you even hear, like, just, like, muffled in, like, the background, like, like, in, like, in the middle of a fight scene, like, you'll hear someone, like, oh, fuck, you know, I'm gonna fucking get you. And you'll hear, like, John Spartan, you're fine. One credit for... Yeah. And it's great that they did that. It's fucking, it's literally fucking hilarious. It's brilliant that's the thing that really makes demolition man stand apart from other films is that it does do that even when it's not noticeable because there are scenes where it's not real i mean you're not really gonna you can't really hear it that well where it's like it is, uh, it you is, can just yeah, hear that weird. little the sound like, of like the, <laughs> yeah of the buzzer going off but you know that's the thing they could have easily just skipped out on that and not done it anymore or made an excuse whereas like you know john spartan is now part of the police force so they don't do it for him something like that they could have made an excuse to not do it but instead they stuck to it and they really made that a running joke it, it's it's a great part of this film it's and it's actually really important too because it shows just how much the government and you know, any other governing body is interfering in personal Choice. life. Yeah. Because it's it doesn't just happen in, like, government buildings. It happens everywhere. It happens in Taco Bell. Even, even if, like, it's in a conversation with multiple people and mm. it's very loud in that facility, you're still getting fined on the back end. Like, they know that you said that word. It's It, it helps create that universal theme of, like, you're always watched. Like they always have tabs on you. Mm. There's always some sort of governmental, you know, watch on you that is controlling how you behave. And I think that really sells the reality of demolition, man. And not, you know, even though they tell you like, yeah, the government watches everything, you know, we're, we're bound to like not doing anything that's bad for us because it's illegal. That sells that point Mm -hmm. that you can't even swear. Because they're they're gonna find you every time you do it, um, but at the same time, I think that's really interesting how they bring in the aspect of the underground dwellers, uh, led by Dennis Leary's character Edgar <laughs> Friendly, who is the main. Well, 
is supposed to be the antagonist of the film, but actually becomes more so he's a red another, herring. yeah, another red herring in it, uh, a kind of even, hero. Though he's not even a red herring, because it's made, like, pretty clear off from the get-go. Before you meet uh, Cocteau's character, you hear, like, you know, you had a little sequence where uh, Wesley Snipes is trying to think of what he's supposed Because when you're put in uh, cryostasis... You can uh, apparently you can still experience things. You, you well, not only that, your, not only that, they reprogram you, yeah. your mind to like be retrained. So when Stallone comes out, which the whole reason why they bring Stallone out to begin with is to track down Simon Phoenix, who was let out early and ended up killing a bunch of people. Is the whole reason is that while you're in that stasis, they implant you with a different type of skill that's going to make you valuable to society. So Stallone gets seamstress. Simon Phoenix gets weapons, hacking, and other fun, like, assassin techniques because of what's going on in the plot. So, it's, you know, it's funny to see that, um, and then the fact that they kind of stick with that, too. Like, like they don't drop that whole, like, seamstress thing with Stallone. They kind of, like, you know, stick with that. Right. But, um... but, But, yeah, you have a group of underground people who have kind of rejected this, you know, society that's a utopia in a sense, but it's all dictated on the fact that anything that's bad for you has been banned. That's how... Yeah, any, it's any a, that's how, choice yeah, that you so have. Choices, I mean, there's choice, but it's very, it's very limited where and Dennis Leary's lovely paradise underground, it's all about, you just get freedom. It's a libertarian paradise. If you want to eat burgers and Clog your arteries, God bless you, you can. It's lit- It's the early 90s Dennis Leary stick. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> have you ever seen Dennis Leary's comedy from that time and probably today? Because I imagine... Well, I think he he's probably really gotten updated. a little bit more refined. I don't even think he does stand up anymore. Yeah, I don't know about... I yeah, think, I, I think he, after Rescue Me, he's, like, pretty he's, much he's counting his... Pro- F- producing. He's, he's yeah. counting his FX dollars. Producing credits, but... Yeah, I mean, I think that this is, like, really Dennis Leary refined into movie form. Edgar Friendly is, a lot of his dialogue seems straight-up Dennis Leary comedy. Like, as as though it's delivered as a stand-up performance. Uh, I would assume, maybe I'm wrong, but some of that dialogue was probably improv. Probably didn't tell. They probably didn't give him a script. They probably just told him. Yeah, to say I mean, what, it seems like it seems just, like that's it, something that Dennis Leary would say. They just like for I think that especially for that one bit where they where um they finally meet him underground. They probably didn't even give him a script for that part. Like, just do what you do. Yeah, that's why you got cast. You just do your whole, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense because Dennis Leary, he's he's often politically incorrect, but also also. I would say on the right side of um, politics and just like in, in ensuring that people have the right to choose, but also the safety to do so. Like in this film, his character is very much a, about, you know, having the freedom to choose for yourself, but at the same time, he opposes like, the governmental restrictions on what has been placed, which is basically you can't do anything that would possibly put someone in danger. 
And it's like the film it themes really find that that is not <coughs> an appropriate response because first of all, you don't have a police force that can handle it as we, as the, the film shows, like none of their police force is ready to handle any sort of, and that's why any and violent that's, threat. And, again, and that's another, and that's another great scene when you first have the cops run to Phoenix and they're trying to convince him, you know, cause they haven't run into a, a violent, violent occurrence like that in 22 years. So, like, what do I do? And, like, he's holding, like, his eye tablet, you know. And it's, like, got stick figures doing, like, ask, assertively ask, you know, the perpetrator to lie down on the ground. And he's like, so I need you to lie down on the ground. And he's like, fuck you, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then he's like, ask the tablet. He didn't do that. What do I do now? Ask more assertively, like, to do that. Or, you know, there's going to be repercussions. And so he does that, and still not. It, it's it's hilarious, because it's, it's almost like a great counterpoint to, like, today's media when you see, like, things about cops. You know, and this, it's like, we don't know how to react to, you know, vo- you know offenders such as this. And today it's almost like, we don't know how to react to offenders like that, too. We just pull our guns out and shoot. <laughs> right. I mean, now, today, if it was Wesley Snipes and he was not responding to demands then they just shoot him and then <laughs> the movie's over but um like in this i i do find that the film has like that middle ground where it's like well you can't have everything totally demanded to you and like you are forced to follow like specific rules where you don't have any free choice whatsoever but you kind of have to meet in the middle ground yep and that that's exactly how the film ends is is uh the police force questioning like well where do we go from here as they like had like you know the urchins from the underground come up and after Cato's death and phoenix's death and like oh what do we, what do, we do now and Solon's like look you cops you know like people of like say uh san uh san angeles you need to stop being so prim and proper and controlling and demanding of like how you live your life urchins you gotta clean up your act you, you know you gotta have more control yeah and then he's just like i don't know you'll figure it out and that and that's it and it's like ow (laughs) yeah i mean it's 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 a good point though because the film brings up the fact that uh, there is no good answer to exactly there's no good answer edgar friendly's ideas are kind of drastic they're both extreme yeah but but then again you have uh the uh cocteau's company who, who he's enlisting a hardened and violent criminal to do to take action because he feels like he needs to set an example he needs to kill the, he needs to kill him to make his utopia perfect exactly. which goes against the whole idea of his utopia great i will i will say I, I mean i will say it's kind of a flaw in the film is the fact that cocteau is sp- in phoenix Though, I wouldn't say as much as Phoenix. I, I'd say Cocteau's more of the villain because he's the mastermind. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, what he wants to create this utopia so he can control it, so he can have power, so it can be in his vision. So he has that power. Phoenix is just nothing but a tool. 
He's nothing but an asset. So I wouldn't even say Wesley Snipes' character is even really the main villain in this film. Right. Because at the end of the day, what he's just living off of instinct. So there's nothing really, you know, that drives him. Especially when you get to the future and his whole drive for killing Ed, uh, Dennis Leary's character is just based off of what he was programmed to think. Which is derived by Cocteau. So Cocteau is the real villain in this because he's trying to control that. So, I mean, the stances between Cocteau and Friendly aren't, you know, as drastic and, you know, pitting against one another because it, it is leaning more towards Friendly's version. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I think uh, it... of, of, of Dennis Leary's side of truth because, again, that's where... That's where Sylvester Stallone comes from. That's what, you know, he can gr- be grounded more into, too, is, like, it's b- basically the underworld is, like, life is... Regular it, life. Yeah, yeah, except you might starve because it's underground and there's no real food to go around. But you ha- at least you have choice to, li- you know, how to live out your life. So, I though there is that dichotomy and you get to see the, co- you know, compare and contrast in that, it's definitely leaning towards... Dennis Leary's side yeah. of thought because it's not there's nothing in it that to me except like in the beginning that suggests like oh he's like a villain or he, he's wrong it's more like Cocteau's wrong because his utopia isn't a utopia it's a dystopia you're right but at least Leary he's extreme but he has valid points yeah and I think that that comes out in the film itself because you have John Spartan siding with Dennis Leary and his his group for most of the film. Um, in the beginning, or, well, not actually the beginning, it was more like the middle when he's at Taco Bell and there's that attack on Taco Bell where they're trying to steal all the food. You have him later responding like, you can't fight against people who are just trying to, who are hungry, who, who yeah. are trying to take food for themselves because they're starving. Um, but then also you have him kind of siding with them later when he's down in the underground and he feels more at home there than he does up top on yeah. the, on the, on the regular level, um, eating rat and okay with it because it tastes good and, um, getting it's a, burger. a, be- it's a burger, yeah, yeah, it's a burger and getting a beer because he hasn't had one in, you know, 30 years and he can do that down underground. I do think that the film sides a little bit more with, you know, Edgar friendly side of things. Because it's so, it's not as limited as the utopian society that Cocteau creates. And I gotta, I mean, I've gotta agree with that. Um, you know, I'm all for like a peaceful, loving society, but at the same time, you can't have people who don't make, don't have free choice for themselves because that's an ingrained ability in humans. And when you take that away, you have dissent and you have, you're this just not possibility at that point there's always going to be people who are going to dissent with the have dissent with the opinions well just imagine if somebody is like you can't have steak anymore exactly i'd be like fuck you (laughs) yeah i know um it's just not something that you can practically (laughs) avoid and i you know i think that the demo that demolition man even though it's a it's an action comedy even though that it seems very um, cheesy at times. You know, you got Rob Schneider in here God. chewing up every goddamn thing <laughs> as much as possible. Even though it's a cheesy film, 
you've got those heavy hitting themes that really make it a more memorable film than it really even should be. I think it works. Um, we haven't talked about, um, what haven't we talked about? Some of the, some like, well, the Rob soundtrack, Schneider. well, yeah, Rob Schneider, the soundtrack <laughs> for one thing, cause we always try to like, we like to talk about the soundtrack a little bit. Very unmemorable. Yeah. Unmemorable, but at the same outside, time, outside of the one little piano riff, it's like, uh. As I told you, it sounds like the Super Mario Brothers under you know World One Two th- Underground theme, like a yeah, except sped up on a piano, so it's like for the fight scenes. That and also um, that one scene where um, Wesley Snipes' character Phoenix is fighting outside for the first time with those cops, and there's kind of like this weird R and B. Yeah, oh my god, that's so early 90s. Yeah. Like, like just rap throwing in when he's like fighting the cops, like bust a move. Yeah, it's it's a very strange and off-kilter <laughs> scene, I gotta say that. But other than that, yeah, the, the, the soundtrack itself is pretty unmemorable, but that was a weird <laughs> part that stuck with me. Delightful, though. It was yeah, del- delightful, del- I guess, but also very strange and unnecessary, I don't know. I mean... I mean, I, I I just love how the film. I mean, I lo- I just like I, again, like it has so many great little bits. The whole just I love like I love how like the society set up because it is a great like kind of juxtaposition to like Star Trek, mm-hmm. where the whole idea behind Star Trek is in the future, mankind will have like all disease and. All war and all violence wiped out from society. It will be a peace-loving utopia. And then we'll reach for the stars to extend that to the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. And I just love that because, like, when they're driving around their cars and how it looks, looks like, like, and the way they dress, it's like, man, it's like, they were watching Star Trek and it's like, you know what? It might be a little bullshit there, you know? And I, I just find it funny because, like, you know, like, it's like, because um, in Star Trek, San Francisco is the capital of the Federa- Earth Federation. Right. So, you you know, L.A. and San Fran, like, kind of like how it looks sometimes. Like, how the way they shot it looks kind of similar. Well, yeah, and then this film, yeah. they've kind of combined together into yeah. San Angeles, so... Well, not San Francisco. San Diego. Yeah. Santa, yeah, but... They've kind of combined California into one, like, super entity. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I just find that to kind of be like... I don't know if that was intentional or not. Like they were like look, watching like Star Trek Next Gen at the time. Like, oh yeah, fuck you. We're gonna, this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. And um, I also love. I I re I really do love in this film how you you get to see just kind of uh. Especially now, like, kind of going back to, like, the, the whole, like, talking about satirization, just kind of how, like, certain things, like, it gets so right on the nose mm-hmm. for today. The the manner they talk. It's awesome. It's brilliant. Words in the 90s that people weren't even using mm-hmm. being used in the future. You know, like, 
you know, mellow day, you know, mellow day to you, sir. Mm-hmm. You know, what seems to be your boggle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or um, what, what's the one about keeping calm? Um, mellow, you know, um, check your emotion, you know. Yeah, your, something like yeah. that. Yeah, check your hormones or... Just, like, things like that. It's like, God, that fits so perfectly with, like, today with, like... You know, if you think about, like, how South Park got so much criticism for the recent season about, like, you know, political correctness, and that was, like, the whole overarching theme of, like, season 21. It's like, oh, is that a micro, you know, microaggression, brah? <laughs> you know, that's what this is, but it's 20, you know, 20 years earlier, they're doing, like, you know, like, oh, you can't do it, you know. Yeah. And it's, just, and it's, like I said, it's fucking great. How they were able to, like, kind of encapsulate that the only thing that would make it even better if like somewhere in there they were able to fit like you know uh online trolling to make it even more relevant (laughs) that's true um i gotta bring up one qualm that i have with demolition man is that i think that in the middle portion wesley snipes's character is a is a little bit missing from the action. So you have um, John Spartan experiencing the future and, you know, seeing the differences in how they lived their life then as, and then, you know, comparing it to how they used to live. You know, you have him experiencing sex and things like that. But you're missing that aspect of, like, what Simon Phoenix is doing. In the meantime, I do besides think, getting a gun, <laughs> exactly. Besides getting a gun, I do think that that's sort of a, a misstep with the film because I think that it would have been a little bit more interesting if they had explored Phoenix actually building up his empire, you know, getting underground, building up that sort of idea that there are other people underground who are wronged. Well, in their in their eyes, well, no. wronged by John Spartan. Yeah. And, you know, giving that a, a little bit more screen time. Because I think that he's missing for a, a majority of that middle portion. And it, it kind of drags in that. And not drags so much, whereas you're like, wow, I, you know, I wish he was back on screen. But you're, you're missing that aspect of Simon Phoenix's character as he's building up that, you know, that, that base. That, that group of people who are going to oppose... I mean, see, I agree, but at the same time, my my biggest qualm with this film is the world building. I think they do such a great job in, like, building this futuristic utopia in uh, San Angeles and setting up its rules and how it is and how it contrasts the, you know, 90s L.A. Mm-hmm. I think where it fails, though, is the fact that it's only 40 years, almost little, you know, 36 years in the future. Right. Which makes no sense. So you're telling because there's a lot of characters that you meet in this film. It's like you're you lived the '90s, right. you experienced yeah. it, and it's like you like, you act like you didn't, mm-hmm. or it's like no, oh, that was that was you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... so. I mean, so that to, that to me is just like annoying. It's like it, what you should have done is because again, there's no reason because this movie's made in 1993 and it starts off in 1996. There's no reason to like think like, oh, cryo prison's this normal thing. It could be like you know, ex- make it explore it more. Like make it like some secret prison, 
that the state's running for, like, special inmates type of thing, like a special program. And, you know, make it set for, like, 700 years. And then instead of, like, 700 years, it's, like, 500, 200. Right. Yeah, at least 200 years where you can, where that kind of societal change can become believable. Because only 40 years into the future, I mean, I, I understand things change fast. But again, like you have so many people within this city that experience that, you know, the time that he's from. Yeah, it would the, be hard to enforce that ruling. Idea, yeah. yeah. Like... His, you know, his one old pilot buddy that he gets to meet. He's just like, one day, like, hey, you can't have sex anymore. It's against the law. And he's just like, oh, okay. He just stopped fucking yeah. his wife. And you're like, oh. Can't, yeah, I mean, I do can't, agree. I th- can't do that anymore, honey. It's- I see it both ways, because I do see that society changes really fast. And we've, we've obviously changed a lot since the 70s and 80s. But at the same time... You're right. I mean, a lot of people who live that life, who had those experiences, are would you would think would be very hesitant to accept this new society that's so governed. Well, especially the way like people are. Nobody who's old doesn't matter what generation. Doesn't matter. People who are old, they don't like change. They know what they you know. Mm. They know what they want, they know what they experience, well, they, I mean, you know, they know what they like and they don't like. I mean, imagine trying to enforce people to be acceptable to gay marriage right now. And you say, like, well, if you if you're, if you're speak out about it, you're going to get fined for it. There would be um, a lot of older people who would not be okay with that. Well, to... And I mean... I'll say, to be fair, it's kind of, that's kind of a... Bad choice just because that's an issue that's kind of progressed pretty quick. Well, yeah, but I'm especially, saying... Especially, like, the past five years. I mean, I'm saying like, that it would be hard to enforce in the same way that it would be hard to enforce saying, like, well, you can't swear anymore. Or you can't drink the beer that you like anymore. Well, they have that. They have cameras for that. No, I'm... <laughs> you know, even so, they have cameras. They would have cameras for if you were to say, like, well, I don't like gay marriage. You know, I think it's the same sort of sort of idea where you, you try to enforce, like, for a particular group of people, you can't do this anymore. I think you would have a huge outcry. In, and so you're right when you say, like, you need to go up, like, 200 years in the future. Whereas, you know, in that scenario, you people who opposed it died off and people who um, grew up with it are kind of like, Okay, it's always been the thing that I've grown up with, so I, I'm okay with it. Um, yeah, two hundred years makes more sense than like only going forty. And now the future has changed so dr- dramatically, drastically that our protagonist and antagonist can't can't really identify identify yeah. with yeah with the that time period. Forty years doesn't seem like too much, though I've never. I'm not. I'm not forty, so I haven't experienced that much change yet. But I mean, even if you did two hundred years, and you wanted to have the moment where he meets like somebody he used to work with, you could do that because then you could explain like he's like one of the few people that's like he's they cri- were cryogenically like, frozen. Well, not cry. No, he wasn't cry like genetically frozen. You could have him be like decrepitly old <laughs> and just be like you know. 
aging's got so far, you could live to be 200 years old. That's it, true. It's rare, but it happens. And, he, you know, you could have him walking around, you know, like, oh, you know, I remember when you used to get, to, you know, fuck your wife without, you know, the cops banging on your door. But can't even do that. Can't even put it in the asshole anymore. That's but, true. But they don't. So, I, and that and the whole reason they did, like, 36 years almost seems like they did it because... They wanted to have a moment where he's like, oh, I got, you know, got to, you know, talk to that one random guy that was right in the beginning that you don't really get to know at yeah, all. Yeah, that's true. Even though Bob Gunton's fucking from that same time period and the warden, and no, the, the, they've it all... Apparently doesn't care. Yeah. yeah, brother, brother. I don't remember those years at all. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you, uh, you want to bring up about uh, Demolition Man before we get to the rating? Armor hot dogs. <laughs> that is a pretty funny aspect of it. Did they, you know, in the future, they foresee that they pick up our commercials as catchy jingles that they they want to listen to. Yeah, they 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 keep get they get stuck in their heads. Basically, I mean, like I said, it's not that far off from what we have now with vaporwave reusing older jingles and tunes and you know 80s music and commercials as art forms well they're doing that now and like the right like you, like you said talking about like ghost of shelly like you know depeche modes song yeah you know, you know and then now with like justice league we're gonna take the beatles come together and make it 2017 yeah you're reusing <laughs> that idea but then like making it a little more um Masterized? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Sometimes. <laughs> like you said, with the Depeche Mode cover, it's not really bastardized so much as an uh, interesting take on the sound. Well, to be fair with that, that's like... Depeche Mode's like a new wave band. So, True. like, kind of like a slower, like, electronic, you know, type song. Fits it. It's an evolution in the process. Yeah. The Beatles come together... <laughs> And to whatever the hell, whoever the hell did the song for the Justice League trailer is like, you know, points been missed <laughs> by a mile and a half. There, the evolution traces cannot be found. That's true. And that, that that's the point. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think that the idea that, you know, in the future they may find <laughs> our... Our short jingles more catchy than we don't even have jingles regular anymore. pop songs. Yeah, not generally. Not, like, I mean, all commercials just licensed songs now. I can't. I Radio can't. spots may have jingles, but I can't even think of like a, a t- at least TV commercial that's not local. That's like actually national. Old Spice has sort of a jingle. But about but 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 you can't make that into a song though. No, but I'm just saying like there are certain well you maybe sounds okay. I like you can somehow stretch that into a song. You're right. I I I just not I'm, like some of them do, but yeah, I mean I I don't think it's much of a stretch to think that like in the future, you know, as our attention spans wane, you're you're more interested in like well let's just hear a thirty second jingle Instead rather of than songs, a, like yeah. a three minute song. <laughs> and it makes sense. So it's pretty. It's a pretty interesting concept. All right. So, out of ten, ooh, I'm having a difficult time coming up with a rating scale here. 
Out of ten seashells. Sure. Out of ten seashells, what would you give Demolition Man? I'll give it an eight. Eight out of ten? Eight out of ten. Alright. I think it's a... I think it's a very good action film. I think it's pretty... Like I said, I think it's pretty smart. I don't know if the satire is intentional or not. When it comes to the futuristic aspects, at least. There's some of the satire that is, you can tell, is intentional. But I don't know when it comes to, like, future-wise, if it's intentional or not. Whether it is or not doesn't even matter, though. Because it's so so well and hits today's, you know, things are happening today so well. That you just can't ignore it. Mm. I think, oh, everybody in this film... Besides Sandra Bullock, who I'll say is the worst part, though. You are right. She does do a good wooden, dull personality. That's the problem with her, is just being dull, wooden, you know, personality-less. But I, I do think even Sylvester Stallone, who's just being dull himself, he is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes is a delight in this film. So is Nigel Hawthorne and Bob Gunn. Great, just in how they, you know, how they are throughout the entire film. I think I do love the premise of this film. I think it's actually a really good premise. Mm-hmm. I just wish, for the sake of it making more sense, that they stretch the timeline on it more. But I do love the world they build. I do love the message that it's trying to send, and I do love its playfulness. It's one of those campy, corny films. Though I'm not the biggest fan of like campy and corny films, it's one that's great because it, it knows what it is and it does it well. The one-liners in this are great; they're hilarious. The the one of the first one-liners in this film is one like like that's you know ends up turning out to be that's the one liner that's gonna get that guy killed. Yeah. And so yeah, at least like like again, they're paying attention. Yeah, they're they're keeping continuity. You can't say that with a lot of these films, so... Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think 8 out of 10 is fair. Um, I th- I like the continuity, like you said. I think that the the comedic aspects really, really come out in this film. Action scenes are also really well done. I think that the special effects are, for the most part, pretty well done. Except near the end where you can tell the budget's running low. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like, you know, both John Spartan and Simon Phoenix. I think they have a good... Um, you know, relationship between each other and, and uh, dichotomy between what they both believe in. Um, I think that Demolition Man is a really creative film in general, and I think that the the writing reflects that. Um, not only with its you know, its kind of um, futuristic ideas, but also just the creativity of the plot itself. Um, at the same time, I do feel like they skimped a little bit on Simon Phoenix's storyline um, in the middle of the film and, and kind of left out some of that exposition um, in favor of John Spartan and giving Sylvester Stallone a little bit more screen time. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I think that this film is really... It's a fun film. It has a lot of thematic resonance... Not only at the time, but now watching it in the future and kind of recognizing the things that it brings up and the things that have come to light through the years 
that have really mimicked what Demolition Man had to say at the time. Um, so it's a kind of a surprising film itself, too, of how um, accurate it was at depicting in the future. And so I think it's a really fun film. And, and anybody who hasn't experienced it who really likes those action and com- comedic films of the time, um, because as we see in the film itself, there's a poster of Lethal Weapon 3 in there, um, <laughs> kind of hinting at some of the... I'm surprised we didn't even mention that. Yeah, I know. Um, kind of hinting at some of the, um, the uh, I guess you would say, uh, things that helped influence the film, but also, you know, also commenting on what it's the film is making fun of and satirical nature of the film. Um, it's really for fans of those films, the, the action films of the 90s, but also the comedic films that it's making fun of. So, um, yeah, 8 out of 10 really really sounds like a fair assessment of Demolition Man to me. Hmm. And it, it, I'm glad to have seen it. Thank you for uh, putting me well, on this film. Well, it's about time. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for putting me on this film because... I don't know that I would have gone out of my way to see it. Well, see, like most people, I don't lead people astray when it comes that's, to suggestions. That's right. That's right. It was a good suggestion, and I'm glad we got to cover it for the film. Fits right in with uh, our Die Hard film yeah. coverage, and not I really, th- yeah, not really Death Wish, but no, that's t- yeah, it's a little bit more. Until you get to like Death Wish three and four, it's yeah. not action. It's- yeah. Revenge. Totally, exactly. Totally different. Yeah. Totally a whole different genre of film. <laughs> All right. So next week we have on tap. What? I don't know. I think I think I we should cover Long Weekend. Okay. I am very. In, you know, we're getting to that time period. It's been very nice and in, in um hot. I guess in upstate New York. Yeah. We've reached we, we, the we, 80s we, at yeah, some we, points. We went to 87 degrees, and now we're back down to you know 45. Yeah. I mean, obviously spring is here. I'm interested in covering Long Weekend. It's not one that's really well known. Um, it's uh, an exploitation film that is like a when animals attack style film. Uh, Severin films released in... I, no, no, I'm sorry, not Severin. Synapse Films released it on Blu-ray uh, about a year ago. Watched it, loved it. Very fun film. Um, very atmospheric and moody. So I think that that is a perfect combo for this podcast because we love to cover that sort of thing. Now, is there any Easter horror films? Uh, like yeah, Easter, actually, like there are there are a few few Easter horror films. They're very low budget, so you know. And we're already actually this Sunday is Easter, so we it would be past time. Well, we, that's what we, we do. Missed it. We, that's <laughs> yeah. what we do. We're always uh, a little, we're always a little late on that. A little behind. I that. honestly, I think we should cover Long Weekend next week. No, no, I was just wondering. I was just wondering. If, I the, I really enjoy this film, so. We're going to get a lot if of... If there was some kind of slasher film involving Easter. There is. I mean, there are, but they're they're low-budget indies. But aren't those the best? <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. You know, now I think about it, I can't wait till uh, September rolls around. What is that? Saw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got the new Saw film. Halloween. It's probably going to be October, to be honest with you. I think the poster I saw was like upcoming Halloween film, you know, horror films and... 
Could be. It could be September. I think they they generally release them in October. Maybe they're trying to f- for a little bit earlier release date. Is that new Halloween coming out this year too? I don't know about that. I don't know if they're going to have it ready for this October. You said it's supposed to be a direct sequel to Halloween 2, right? It's uh, what they're saying. Because I saw the poster for it. Like I said, saw it on Facebook. Somebody like is like a, like a posting like different horror film posters. Right. And it had like, you know, the sequel to like The Conjuring 3 and uh, Saw 8. Which I am actually, like, now I think about it, I am looking forward to Saw 8. I'm like, I just can't wait to see what the fuck they I'm, do. I'm assuming, yeah, like, you, you kind of think, like, how did they update it? You know, now... Cause it's, it's not, it's not, you can't... You can't like, re- 10 years since we've seen the original, you know, the past uh, Saw sure. films. So, like, wh- how is it different? Did they change up the color scheme? Well, not... <laughs> It's not green anymore. Yeah. No, but it's not like it's like well, at least with that I'm interested because it's like man, it can't be a reboot because it's called Saw Eight, so you know they're not yeah. rebooting. Yeah. But I mean, like the Halloween posters, I saw that and that made me interested. Yeah. You know, so it's like if because if that is like a direct sequel to the original Halloween too, it's like okay, I, I can I will be able to get aboard that. But mm-hmm. the new Nightmare poster, you know, I think too much of because it's like yeah, you. Right. Same thing with the uh, Freddy one. Not the Freddy, the Jason one. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But if those two both come out, I'll definitely go see Yeah, that. definitely interested in seeing that. Next, So next weekend, I think, we're, or next week, we're covering um, Long Weekend. And from there, anybody's guess. We, we do want to cover a 90s slasher uh, series. Um, Not necessarily a series, but like do like a couple of different ones. A couple of, like Influ- ur- urban legend is a. Uh, uh, <laughs> Thank you for saying that because that was one I was kind of thinking because I was like, you know, we should, you know naming the ones that we should do. And I, that's one of that's urban the one. legend. That's, I know what you did last summer. Some of those, some of those, you know, obviously some of those that are not scream, <laughs> we would do. Um, those late ninety classes. That's right. I mean, I'm I'm super interested in doing that. So I think that would be one that would be really fun to do. I would really love to do like what I did last summer. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that. So that'd be one that I'd be interested in doing as well. I think it would be fun. So that I think that's on the horizon. I think we'll be be doing that um, shortly. But next weekend, look for or <laughs> I I keep saying next weekend. But I mean next week because we post weekend. we post on Thursdays. Uh, look for long weekend because that'll be that'll be the next episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Check us out on um, iTunes, which is probably where you're listening to us. Obviously, we're up on there, and you can subscribe and uh, review us and give us a nice review. We really appreciate that. We're also on Stitcher, um, and on Stitcher you can review us, give us a star rating. Um, that one's not as used as much, but, uh, we, we hope you're listening to us in any way possible on any podcasting app. Um, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash blood and bike rum podcast. You can like us on there. You can, uh, comment on us and, and all that jazz. Um, and we hope you, you like us because we do post updates on there. We're on Twitter. Twitter.com slash blood and black rum. N in the middle, just so you know. 
Um, we do tweet on there. Hopefully, you know, you follow us and retweet us. So we really appreciate that. It helps us get us noticed. And uh, we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. There you can um, help us fund the podcast because this is a an endeavor that we do for free right now. Um, so you can donate to us. That is once a month. So if you donate $5, it's $5 a month. Just keep that in mind when you you know, you know you think about your donation. But that helps us fund the podcast. It helps us keep us running because um, we do this for free. So anything that you can donate really helps us out, and we really appreciate that. You can email us at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. And, you, you know, give us any film suggestions you want us to cover or any, you know, criticisms that you have of us. And we'll definitely keep that in consideration. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We will be ne- back next week with Long Weekend. Um, and other than that, Martin, you got anything to add before we end this podcast? Not at all. All right. Well, have a good week. We will see you next week. Hopefully... You tune back in for us for Long Weekend. Take care. See you.